0: Welcome to the 321 Biz Development and vSales Sales Executive Shows on iTunes. My name is Clarence Rick Napier, CEO 321 Biz Dev LLC, located in Sacramento County, California. 321 Biz Dev LLC brings a combination of sales system training, business development services, and website design to worldwide business owners of any size. Our businesses people Our product is sales performance. We tell business owners exactly what they need to know and why they need to know it without any gimmicks or fluff. We know what the sales performance struggle is like because we were once there too. The 321 team can help business owners meet or exceed their revenue expectations. 321 is the company to call if you or your sales team want to master the following four main sales functions contacting, prospecting, appointment setting, and closing. 321 BizDev services are available worldwide where the English language is spoken. We can be reached toll-free in the U.S. and Canada at 833-321-3212 or using WhatsApp if you are located outside of North America And you can reach us on WhatsApp at Country Code 1-415-515-6760. We have over 117 hours and 279 episodes of business development content and interviews with business owners from around the world. So, hello, today is May 5th, 2020, and, uh, Today, we're going to talk about something that's very timely with this political election coming up uh, in about six months and some change. And the title of today's podcast episode series is Fighting Socialism and Communism in America. So you will hear about six different topics on this podcast segment and, uh, I'm going to try to keep each topic to about five to seven minutes because I can talk longer about each one of these topics, but in the interest of keeping the podcast segment short, plus I want to give people sort of an introduction uh, to what uh, socialism and communism is about, especially right now as we see (coughs) that uh, we have a lot of Democrat governors who are it looks like they are giving their allegiance to, to, the, to people other than the citizens of the United States. And it seems like they're giving their allegiance to people in or governments in China, or maybe governments in, in Europe, but it's definitely not uh, the, to the government of the United States of America. So if you hear me pause for a second, I'm taking a sip of water. Uh, this is uh, allergy season for me. My voice is a little more clearer uh, in the winter and in the fall, but in the summertime, it gets kind of raspy. And eh, Some people say it's sexy. I'm not sure, <laughs> but I will definitely take some sips of water to keep my, uh, my, my, my throat clear. So here's the first one. So before I talk about the, uh, the six different topics... I want to uh, discuss today, today, May 5th, I need to give people a little background about who I am and what my experience level is and uh, what I have seen in my 50 plus years of living on this earth, okay? So, <clears throat> I've been in the people business ever since I was like 16 years old when I first got my first job at a Bonanza sirloin pit uh, in Tampa, Florida, and uh, quickly I went from busboy to assistant manager in about 24 months. And um, before graduating from high school in Tampa, I went from making (laughs) like a a very small amount of money. I I don't even want to tell you what the money was back back in those days, but I'll just put it this way. I was making, if I had to put what I made at 18 years old as a a hardworking assistant manager, at this restaurant, I would say based on what someone was making who either worked, who, who wasn't like an adult and had five years of work experience or maybe had a degree at that time. Let's say they were like 25 years old and, uh, and just graduated from college and they were working full time. At 18, I was making... If I used it today's dollars, I was making about $800 per week in today's dollars at age 18 with just a high school education and preparing myself to go to college at the University of South Florida uh, in Tampa, go Bulls. So fast forward, I, was, I spent some time in the military, about six years active duty, six years in the Air National Guard, here in California and simultaneously while working in the, in the Air National Guard, I was working in corporate America and, and finishing up college at Golden Gate University in San Francisco uh, as a business major and a minor in economics. Now, instead of taking just one economics class, I took about six economic classes because I was fascinated by the subject. I was fascinated in a way because I didn't know about communism and socialism. And uh, so I was fascinated to learn about these three economic systems. And I just want to tell listeners today that less than one percent of college graduates study economics. So that means I did the I did the I, I saw a, a report on this and it was like 0.9 percent or one out of 111 college students study economics. Now, these are the people who are in college that take a pass on economics. And when I say take a pass, I'm not saying they didn't want to study economics. I'm saying that their career choices did not include any study in economics. So that's one out of 111 college graduates who only studied economics. So what does that mean? That means if you didn't go to college or if you are working as a white collar business professional, and that is an attorney, a CPA, a dentist, a plastic surgeon, insurance broker, or a real estate broker, chances are you might be one out of that 111 college graduates or worse, you know, including those white collar, small business owners. It's possible that you have never studied economics ever. And you could be 25, 35, 45, 55. And what that means is the way you think about, uh, You know, business, the way you think about your work, the way you think about politics may not it may not even include the economic ramifications. And I see this often when I talk to people, I will I will talk to people and I will hear their rationale about uh, how they think about about life, how they think about work, how they think about society, how they think about politics. And I can tell that there's something missing, something big, something major that's missing and how they came up with their conclusions. So it's time to take a sip of water. And it's not their fault. It's not their fault that they come to these decisions uh, without thinking about the economics ramification. And, And it's because they never studied it. So therefore, how could um, thinking about the economic implications ever be part of the rationale so fast forward 2014 I started a consulting firm uh, designed to help white collar small business owners and that's the attorneys, the CPAs the dentists, the plastic surgeons insurance brokers and um, and real estate brokers and the reason why I mention that is because What I see happening today of how people make their their decisions about their lives, about society, about uh, how they make money and and politics has a major overlap into what I do every single day with uh, white collar, small business owners. And essentially what I do with what I do for white collar, small business owners, I help them understand how to use a system. To run their businesses. And I also work with them to help them find clients. And I will tell you, it's, it's a tough business that I'm in. Um it's tough because the majority of people that I work with, I would say 90% of the people that um, I choose or I select to begin a dialogue of working with, most of them do not really want to work their businesses. They really just want the money, but in order to get the money, there's certain things you need to do as a business owner, and most do not want to do that. In fact, most of the people that I start a dialogue to, of, of working with, the majority either do not know what socialism or communism is, and there's a, a large percentage of that segment. Fifty percent do not like capitalism, at least their interpretation of it. But they're in business, to, you know, to make you know fifty thousand, a hundred thousand, three hundred thousand, you know, a half a million dollars per year. And uh, it's just um, very interesting what I have learned in the last uh, you know six years, or even ten years, or even if, if I go back twenty years when I first started seeing this socialism, uh, communism thing uh, rear its ugly head. So I've seen this for a long time. So today's podcast will talk about fighting socialism and communism in America, especially under this Wuhan flu, this Chinese Wuhan flu environment, which I think the disease was legitimate and I think it's nothing more than the flu. But it's the the hoax is how these government democrat governors conspired to hurt the American economy. And not just the world economy, I mean not just the US economy, but the world economy. I have friends and clients in India, uh, friends and clients in, in England friends and clients in Dubai and in Barcelona who have this fear of this Chinese Wuhan virus and it has collapsed their economy. So starting today, May 5th, we have about six months before election day to re-elect President Donald Trump. So this podcast will talk about six subjects that I want everybody to pay attention to. I want anyone who's listening to this, I don't care what your political affiliation is. If you are a Republican, yay. If you are a Democrat, yay, yay. If you are independent, triple yay. But everybody needs to listen to this this short podcast, which might be, like I said, six to seven minutes per episode. So it may be 30 to 40 minutes, but I want everybody to, l- to listen to this podcast episode because you probably won't have a dose of what I'm talking about in this episode ever, because there are so many things happening right now. Uh, Donald Trump can't do it all. And unfortunately, he doesn't have a lot of people that can talk about this subject of capitalism and how capitalism is much different and and more favorable to Americans or freedom-loving people. And shouts out to the patriots in Canada. I'm discovering within the last month, there are a lot of freedom-loving Canadians north of our border. And shouts out to the Hispanic community that believe in free enterprise. Here in California, 35% of Hispanics voted for Trump. Um, shouts out to the blacks and other, you know, ethnicities who are supporting Donald Trump. I became a Republican in 1991, when it was very unpopular to be a Republican, and uh, I've I've lived the most of my adult life, probably 80% of it in California as a Republican so I am not a a newcomer I'm a seasoned black Republican that has a powerful message and a tremendous economic background and I've seen how California has transformed to a powerhouse state that was mostly Republican in the 80s and the 90s to the weakest um Socialist, borderline, communist state out of the 50 states. Beautiful state. Lots of power we had in this state for free enterprise and capitalism. But now it's one of the worst states out of the 50 states. So let's begin with our first topic. And our first topic is titled, Your Constitutional Rights Were Taken When You Voted for Democrats All Those Years. And now you must take them back. Just took a sip. So what this what this first topic means is that, you know, 20 years ago when people were and I'm mainly talking to the private sector, uh, uh, you know, voter, the small business owner voter who believes in free enterprise and capitalism. Or you may not know what capitalism is, 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 and you may not be sure what free enterprise is. So I must say that right now. There's a lot of people that don't even know what that means. Okay, so 20 some years ago, when the country was primarily a Republican uh, country, people were voting for Democrats because it felt great. Their message felt great, the warm and fuzzy message about uh, inclusion and taking care of people and doing the right thing and making sure that people uh, did not starve and and just, you know, having this really touchy-feely type platform that the Democrats were, were pushing back in like uh, 1990, uh, 1995. They were pushing this and people bought into it. And people bought into it primarily... And here's the capitalism part. They bought into it because it did not affect their personal economics. So if you if you were a Democrat back in the 90s, 95, 2000, and you were making money in your business, and I'm primarily speaking to small business owners, and you were making money in your business, you didn't care about um, what maybe the Republican agenda was about. Because you were making money in your business. So it felt great to work in your business and vote Democrat because your checking account did not lack anything. But as time went along, you know, early 2000, 2005, 2010, and with the election of Obama, that's when your constitutional rights began to slip away. And people still did not realize that when Obama was elected, because that's when the majority of what we see happening right now, that's when the majority of it began, when Obama was elected. And all the people that he tainted, you know, in the U.S., I don't know, guarantees, promises, threats, I don't know how what you, what you would call it, but that's what happened. So... Democrats, even though they were making some money, their constitutional rights were slipping away, and they didn't even know it. And even some Republicans didn't even know it. But again, when people are making money, it's, it's not hard to overlook you know, some things that you may feel that's not right. But, oh, well, my checking account is fat. You know, I'm making 2000 dollars a week or my business you know is making three or four hundred thousand. Maybe you're putting in your monthly checking account as a business owner. Maybe you're putting ten grand a month in your checking account from your business. Maybe you made a couple of million dollars last year. just with a you know a, a very modest business, maybe an auto repair shop. And uh, you have, you know, 10, 15 employees in the auto repair business, and you were able to, to make $2 million. And out of that $2 million, you put $10,000 a month as income in your business. So maybe you made 120, dollars $140,000 a year in your business. Then, hen- then here comes this Democrat platform that is threatening your livelihood. You didn't see it back in 20, 2010, but it was beginning to, to, to snatch your livelihood. And fast forward to 2016, you still didn't see it. Even some Republicans didn't see it because there was this guy named Donald Trump who decided to run. And just to let people know, he was my first candidate because I said uh, Donald Trump has been one of the few candidates... ...that has uh, signed the front of a check, meaning President Trump has run a business. The guy is brilliant. The guy went to the Wharton School of Business, University of Pennsylvania, and graduated within the top of his class. The guy has major financial knowledge. He understands how the tax system works. He understands how tariffs work. And I remember people were dogging him about putting tariffs on China... How do you feel about that today, seeing how China is dogging America and and making America really look bad right now? And for the most part, controlling a lot of how American decisions are being made. And how do you feel with this Chinese Wuhan flu that was unleashed on America? You see, Donald Trump is the best president that America has had in my lifetime. And I I will go back to say that he will probably rank in the top three within American history. Forget about the fact that you you may not like him if you're a Democrat, and we will get to some subjects that will make even Democrats feel comfortable about Donald Trump. So now you must take your constitutional rights back. So when I say constitutional rights, I'm really talking about capitalism because capitalism did not really appeal to people until the lockdowns happened and people start losing their jobs and people started losing their businesses. That's when capitalism became a reality, unfortunately, for many people across the United States. It was capitalism that, or the, or the loss of capitalism that showed people and defined to people what capitalism was all about. So now it's time to take the country back. And the way you take your country back, the way you take the U.S. back, even Canadians, how you begin to take your country back is to embrace capitalism. So from now on, since this Chinese Wuhan flu has started... I am hoping and praying that now everyone understands what capitalism is about. So let's go on to the second topic. The second topic is voting Republican has to be first about preserving uh, capitalism. Then the Bibles, then the guns, then the pro-life issues. Listeners, I saw this coming about 15 years ago. I was going to these uh, political meetings and these uh, town hall meetings, and uh, I would see people stand up who, were, who, were, who are Republican, who were Republican at that time. And they would stand up and say, well, I'm a um, religious capitalist or I'm a, no, not not capitalist. I am a, a religious Republican or I'm a Second Amendment Republican or I'm a pro-life Republican. Or I'm a constitutional Republican. I'm going to tell you something, listeners. I can count on one hand the number of people that stood up and said, I'm a free enterprise capitalist Republican. So, you know, coming from a strong capitalistic background myself, you know, I was one of the few people that talked about capitalism when I stood up and, and, and shared my, you know, uh, insight or, you know, what I believed in at some of these meetings here in California, and I would have people actually frown and look at me. These were Republicans. They would actually frown and say, "Oh, capitalism. Oh, that's, oh, that's greed." These were Republicans saying this. So again, there were a lot of Republicans, and and I think. There are still a lot of Republicans that put, uh, you know, uh, uh, the Bible being a Christian first, uh, Second Amendment gun issues first, uh, pro-life issues above pro-choice issues as first. And I'm not saying that these issues are not important. What I am saying is that without capitalism, none of these other issues matter. If you can't feed your family... And you know you're about to you know live on the streets because these socialist governments have made it hard for you to work, have made it hard for you to run a business. Then you know only God can help us. And I'm not saying that because I'm a hardcore Christian. But what I am saying is that you need capitalism up at the top of the list in order for you to uh, maintain your stance on um, Christianity and and making sure that children are treated right and that Jesus Christ remains in our schools you got to have capitalism at the top of the list if you are a gun enthusiast and you support um, the right to bear arms and the second amendment I'm with you I'm 100% with you but you need to have capitalism at the top of the list so that you can still know have your your gun rights because if you don't have any money if you don't have a job then having gun rights does not mean much unless you're gonna rob the bank to get money but you're not gonna do that and then pro-life issues yes you know I do believe in in pro-life issues but again if you don't have a job if you don't if you don't have a business so that you can feed your own family. And so that the guy or gal next to you on the, on the left or the right in your community can feed his or her family. Then the issues of pro-life don't matter. Capitalism has always been in America the top uh, issue that people needed to be concerned about. But we took it for granted up until the Wuhan the Chinese Wuhan flu crisis we took it for granted and soon as capitalism was was almost gone or it was temporarily gone you know we cried out for it you know just look at all the churches that have shut down because of the Chinese Wuhan flu crisis there are churches that can't even meet but they're still asking for money they're still asking for tithes, so that's what I mean with the second topic. Voting Republican has to be has to be first about preserving capitalism, and I'm talking to Democrats too. There are a lot of uh, uh, Democrats who believe in pro-life issues, who believe in God. Democrats, this is your wake-up call. How many how many of your churches, Democrats, especially Black Democrats? Have been shut down because of the Wuhan crisis. You know the Bible says that we must meet once a week. I mean, most, uh, you know, American uh, Christian denominations say that we must meet once a week. We must come together, not over the internet, not over Zoom, not via YouTube. That we must meet face to face. And uh, I know there's a scripture that says where two or more are gathered, we are with Christ. But because of this Chinese Wuhan flu crisis, we let the the fact of, of fellowshipping and gathering at the church go to the wayside. So again, people listening to this podcast segment, voting Republican has to be first. Then we can Make sure then we'll make sure that have we can reinforce that our our Bibles, our Christianity, our gun rights, our pro-life issues, constant constitutional issues will be protected. So that was the, the, the second item. Let's move on to the third item. Let me take this sip of water to disguise the socialist socialism agenda. Democrats. Used uh, bait and switch. Uh, they use bait and switch issues about race, sexual uh, preference, and immigration. Folks, I saw this coming. I gotta admit, I caught it late, but I did see it in enough time to at least talk about it and to, and to start identifying what their plan was all along. Okay, so Democrat, Democrats are sneaky in individuals, and I gotta admit they're sneaky but they're bright. And and like I said, uh, maybe not on this uh, podcast segment, I believe Democrats understand economics way better than Republicans. They understand sociology uh, better than Republicans. So what Democrats did, as I continue to talk about this third third topic, they used these bait-and-switch issues. And the bait-and-switch was... I'm going to talk about, you know, how I mean Democrats said they're going to talk about how much they care about the black community, how, how they care about, you know, black issues, black lives matter, um, p- police brutality. Essentially, what they were doing, they were saying blacks vote for Democrats because we care about the about blacks being shot by cops. We care about all the statues in the southern states that have uh, that, that may be symbolic of, of the Confederate you know, racism, as they call it. I grew up in the South all my life, all my, my first 19 years on Earth. I grew up in the South. I lived in Mississippi for a year and a half. I've um, hung out in Louisiana. I've been to Alabama. I've been to Georgia, South Carolina, North, North Carolina. I I would say uh, the, the initial part of my life was spent in the South. These issues were not important back then. So Democrats said, you know what? What we can do, we can bring up all those Confederate uh, monuments in these southern states. And we can get blacks to uh, embrace uh, Democrats, because we're we're going to go after those so- Southern states and those Southern monuments to keep blacks voting Democrat. And that's what they did. The Black Lives Matter thing that started out as a hoax. Remember that? That's when um, the Ferguson, Missouri thing came up and the, the the young man rest in peace, don't like to see anybody get shot. I don't care what their race is, but the guy, Mike Brown, harassed the store owner in, in, in Ferguson, Missouri, prancing down the street. He encountered a cop that uh, that was that the cop identified him as someone who just pretty much robbed a, a like a local grocery store, a, a you know, a mom and pop grocery store. Cop sees the guy, confronts him. Mike Brown attacks the cop in his own car. In the cop's car. Uh, the cop struggles with Mike Brown in the cop's car. Mike Brown gets up, walks away. Cops tells him to halt. Uh, Mike Brown charges the cop. Cop shoots Mike Brown. So what is the story? Oh, Mike Brown had his, has his had his hands up. Well, a, a grand jury with a lot of black people on the grand jury said that that was untrue. These are eyewitnesses that were there, that were black and said the Mike Brown uh, story that was told by some of Mike Brown's friends that he had his hands up was false. And the grand jury said it was false and Black Lives Matter was formed since then. Same thing with the the incident in, in Florida. Uh, with the uh, the Hispanic guy and 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 the uh, and the uh, the Skittles guy, I can't remember their names right now, but those two things birthed the Black Lives Matter movement, and the, the 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 things that the items that they they say that that started Black Lives Matter were untrue. So, but Democrats embraced it. They ran with it. You had. Um, Al Sharpton out there, you know, promoting it and all these other people promoting it. And it was only to disguise the socialist agenda. The same thing with the sexual preference thing, the LGBTQ thing. These Democrats didn't care about people's sexual preference. All it was was to get people to vote Democrat using these um, these trigger issues, I call them. Here in California, I think it was Prop Proposition 8. It was defeated twice in California. Proposition 8 was recognizing gay marriage. It was defeated twice and the black community defeated it with like a 80, I think it was 82% um, in favor vote of Prop A to um, not recognize gay marriage. So in California, Prop 8 was defeated twice, but back in 2009, 2008, it was signed into law by some rogue California Supreme Court judge who happened to be a homosexual. And then Obama pretty much signed off on it without it going through the democratic process. So it became law by executive order. And again, it's only it was only to to get people to continue voting democrat. Because these people don't really care about that and the population of the LGBTQ community is small. I heard it's less than 2%. And then the final issue was illegal immigration. So here in California, um, the California government gave out California IDs to illegal aliens. Well, that made them feel great. It made some Hispanics feel great that that were here illegally. So they so they continued to vote for Democrats based on these trigger issues. But I'll tell you what, as I wrap up this episode with the Chinese Wuhan flu and the Democrats feeling that they have uh, some momentum to totally convert America to a, a socialist, communist country. How often do you see Democrats talking about black people, LGBTQ people, or illegal immigrants? They haven't talked about those trigger issues in a long time, especially for the last year. And especially since this Chinese Wuhan flu thing popped up. They have not even mentioned anything regarding black people. They have not mentioned anything regarding sexual preference. They have not mentioned anything about illegal immigration. Because they sense they have enough momentum to move a socialist, communist agenda on the American people. And I'm just going to tell you something. Everybody needs to read the communist manifesto and everybody needs to read or listen to this YouTube video. I think it lasts about 12 or 14 minutes. There are several out there. But every American, Republicans, Democrats, independents, black, white, straight, gay, you know, Asians, everybody needs to read the Communist Manifesto, which was a a, a doctrine written by Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels. Simple water, time, And basically they outline the socialist communist agenda and the Democrats are using that right now. They're using it. But uh, people don't know it. Some Republicans are starting to see it. And a lot of Democrats, because of this Chinese Wuhan flu thing, they're saying, what in the hell is this that's going on? And people are saying, oh, oh, this is socialism and this is communism. And they're like, what? Oh hell no. They don't like this. So again, the only credit I will give the Chinese and some of these socialist uh, Democrat governors in a, in a in a sort of a twisted way, thank you for exposing what socialism and communism is because without this Chinese Wuhan flu crisis and the shutdown, some Republicans and a whole lot of Democrats and independents would have never known what socialism and communism is. And they would have never wanted to embrace capitalism like they're embracing capitalism like they're embracing it now. So let's move on to the fourth topic. The fourth topic is near and dear to my heart. And it goes out to public, uh, you know, people who are running for office. And, um, Just like I mentioned at the town hall meetings I used to go to 15 years ago, I said to myself, how come no one is talking about capitalism at these town hall meetings? How come none of these uh, candidates running for office are not talking about capitalism? I will tell you the one president who did, and that was President Ronald Reagan. And he was my president when I was a young adult and he was the president where I spent the majority of my time in the military. And Ronald Reagan talked about capitalism all the time. And it was at that time when I was going to school that I was able to connect what capitalism was from, you know, a person, or, you know, a real life person. Because studying economics and capitalism without someone to connect with or connect the, the subject matter uh, with, it's kind of boring. It's kind of dry. I will admit it. And that's probably one of the, the main reasons why people have not embraced it up until now. It's dry. It's boring. People don't care about the the uh, details of economics and, capitalisms and capitalism until they lose their job. <clears throat> when they lose their job, now they understand what capitalism and what economics is all about, and uh, unfortunately, it had to come to this. It had the Chinese Wuhan flu had to, um, <laughs> I call it resurrect capitalism, or or shine some light on it. But it has the Chinese Wuhan flu virus has elevated capitalism so that everybody sort of knows, okay. Uh, not having a paycheck, seeing you know companies and businesses shut down, you know uh, seeing these governors act like little Hitlers. oh, that's socialist and communist. Oh, I remember that subject when I was you know in fifth grade or seventh grade and taking civics classes and reading about Stalin and, and, and Marx and, uh, and and Hitler. Oh, I remember that. Wow, So this is what it looks like. Oh, I don't like this. That's what people are saying now. Oh, I don't like this. Oh, no. I want to return to the days where I was getting a paycheck every week or every two weeks. And uh, so these people, people running for office, and I'm mainly speaking to anybody in the country or anybody in Canada that's running for office, you must talk about capitalism and the free enterprise Free enterprise system, which are your voting constituents, even the ones that that do not today want to vote for you. You have to tell them what capitalism is, and I know it's hard for someone to talk about capitalism and may not be able to uh, communicate it effectively. I know it's hard, but you have to do it. You have to have, you have to add the capitalistic. Conversation to your stump speech. See, for some reason, uh, people running for office and even politicians, I don't know what the hell is on their mind, but they either don't want to talk about capitalism or they don't know how to communicate capitalism, what capitalism is. And it's a damn shame. But I'm saying right now, if you are running for office and you want a chance to win your congressional seat or your Senate seat or your local state, state, state seat and you believe in capitalism, then you got to talk about it. You must talk about it because the majority of people out there, they don't know what capitalism is. Many think it's bad. And I will give you a great example and Several of my training sessions, my sales system training sessions that last from one to two days. I meet with people who have businesses. I meet with people who are in sales. And I added this capitalism module, which lasts about 45 minutes to my sales system business development training modules. I added this module. I don't know why I added it. I added it before I even needed to use it or would really see how important it was to add, but I added it because I felt every small business owner needs to know what capitalism is. And I thought that most small business owners knew what capitalism you know, is. And I thought many small business owners loved capitalism, but I was dead wrong. So in my sales system training course, I was talking to a group of insurance agents from a national company that this guy owned a franchise here in Sacramento. And I've talked about capitalism with real estate brokers, insurance brokers, uh, CPAs, attorneys, dentists. But at this insurance agent training session, I asked people just out of the just, you know, how many people knew what knew what capitalism was. And only like out of 20 people, like two people raised their hand. Two people raised their hands. Two people. So I was like, that's strange. These people are in capitalistic ventures, moving a product or service from themselves to a consumer for profit, and that's essentially what the what capitalism is. Is this? There's more details to it. But essentially, that's it. You 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 offer a product or service uh, for a wholesale price and you add some profit margin to it. And when that person buys it, you transfer that product and you make a little money. So I asked the next question to this class. I said, just curious how many people like or how many people do not like capitalism? I kid you not, more than half the class raised their hands. And I was shocked. So I said, wait a minute. I said I didn't say wait a minute to the class, but I said, in my mind, I said, hold up, wait a minute. I said, well, what do you what's what is what is your impression of capitalism? Oh, it's for the greedy. Oh, it's for the millionaires. Oh, it's you know, a lot of negative, you know, connotations toward capitalism and I was like oh my gosh so what I did I expanded that module to about 45-60 minutes and I explained to people what capitalism is and I'll give you a short version right now okay capitalism is uh, revenue minus expenses equals profit so I'm going to use a dentist for example if a dentist charges a thousand dollars for a service where it probably doesn't cost a thousand dollars for the dentist to do the work it probably costs 750 for the for the dentist for the materials uh, to hire people to to help the dentist with that with that um dental issue the hygienist gets paid the rent gets paid um the lights and the dental practice, get, gets you know the utility bill gets paid, uh, you know the, the copy machine printer, get you know has to be restocked for the for the toner, uh, what else? What else? Uh, you know, magazines, furniture, uh, just a whole bunch of stuff. You know, taxes. I'm including the taxes too. So, out of a thousand dollars that the dentist is charging, the dentist says, okay, my costs are going to be 750 but what am i going to make as a dentist in terms of a profit so the dentist adds 250 or 300 to it and that's essentially it and even employees uh even employees you know they're part of the profit uh equation so if you have a big company and that employee is making 30 dollars an hour well you can bet that if the, if the company is paying the employee $30,000, $30, $30 an hour, the company must be making like $100 or $200 for every um, product or service that's offered. So some may say $200 and the employee's getting $30. Well, the employee's getting $30. The employee's health insurance benefits are covered. Uh, PTO time, personal time off vacation time is is covered uh the workers comp um, you know bill is covered the seat the computer the break room coffee the microwave the parking lot that has to be painted and uh surfaced and cleaned and and uh you know and and, you know and, and the guy or girl at night has to has to clean the parking lot the security guard the utility bills uh, the uh, what else? The, uh, the lease for the building, you know, the attorneys, the general counsel. I used to work in corporate America. So, you know, I'm giving you the example the accountants that work at the company, the, uh, the, the managers who supervise the employees. So everybody has has to get paid because they work there. So the company may charge two hundred dollars for every employee that makes thirty dollars and that's how things are priced. So, get to get back to this topic, every person running for office needs to include topics about capitalism, es, especially now. Strike while the iron is hot. Now is the time for candidates to talk about capitalism like no time ever. If you want to get your your audience your audience's attention, please make Capitalism, the topic or the, your, your, your number one topic, because everybody knows what the impacts, the negative impacts of socialism and communism, you know, are right now. They know because they, they're experiencing it. So please talk about it. And if you need help talking about it, please don't hesitate to call me at 833-321-3212. I have pages of information that will make you look like a superstar in front of your potential voters. You must include the topics of capitalism in your uh, your speeches at your town hall meetings. Do like Reagan did. Listen to some of Ronald Reagan's uh, speeches. It will, it will just light you up on fire with excitement. Please do it. So my fifth topic, and I have two more topics to go, the fifth one and the sixth one, small business owners. If you have employees, you must have a capitalistic, free enterprise, free enterprise conversation with your staff. And I know some small business owners are like, well, I don't want to talk about profit and motives. And I don't want to talk about, you know, economics and capitalism. And some business owners may not know how to do it. So again, 321-BizDev-LLC can help you. 833-321-3212. We have an outline that you can follow to have that conversation with your employees. And here's why. Okay, so a lot of employees, they work. I mean, they're, they're, they're there for a paycheck. And some may say they are only there for a paycheck. Some may say that the employees that I have uh, at my company are only here for the money. so a lot of small business owners were kind of like well i 'm not going to you know, invest in them because they're only here for the money and uh, and you know they, they're going to work here six months and quit and uh, they're going to go on to some other company because another company's offering them more money and there's no problem with that. you know I would do that too that's that's not what i'm talking about. But you know what, though? It's OK for employees to want to work for the money. But And before the Chinese Wuhan flu virus, the employer and the employee may have had a um, frustrated relationship with one another. The employees coming in. Well, I'm just here for the money, so I'm just going to do, you know, as little as I can to get the money. And I'm going to go home and I'm going to cash my check. And I'm going to come back the next week and do, you know, average work to get that check. And I'm going to continue coming back and doing that for months because I know the employer really doesn't like me. The employee is using me to make a profit. And that's how a lot of a lot of employees feel. Now, I didn't feel that way when I worked as an employee, even when I when I was busing tables at a Tampa area restaurant when i was 15 16 years old i never felt that the employer was 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 getting over on me that the employer was um uh, doing way way better than me And you know what i thought about at that time listeners i was getting paid to do a job and the money that i was getting i was going to be able to do stuff with it i was going to be able to have fun pay my little expenses uh, give my aunt and uncle money for letting me stay at their house. My mom died from drug addiction. I think I may have mentioned that on a previous podcast a couple of months ago. My mom and dad were drug addicts. My mom passed away when I was 16. So I had an aunt and uncle take me in to uh, help me finish you know, high school. So when I took that job, I can't remember, it was 2 or $3 an hour, whatever it was. I was so fortunate to get that check at the end of the week for $87. And, and not once did I think my employer was getting over on me because that $87 a week meant a lot to me. And I was working so hard and I was so uh, focused on doing the best job that I can, that I could. Not, not an average job, but the best job that I could, that I got promoted. I got promoted from busboy boy to dish room, working the dish room. And I'm talking about a restaurant that that served a thousand people or, you know, at night, just between like five o'clock and nine p.m., five p.m. and nine p.m. We served a thousand people. OK, so when I got that dish room job, hot, sweaty, got wet all the time. You know, scraping crap steaks and 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 and, and eat, eating potatoes off of plates, handling utensils. I worked that job like 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 that was the only job I ever had. I worked that job very hard. Then I got promoted to to, to uh, working on the on the food line. Now here's a black kid, 16, 17 years old at that time, working on a food line in a predominantly. White community of Brandon, Florida. In fact, I think I only saw like five families in Brandon, Florida for the entire two years that I lived there before I left and joined the military. So here I am serving white people food, a black kid in a predominantly white community working on the line, handling white people's food. And you know what? the white people didn't care the white people took the food that I handled and took their forks and knives and spoons and ate the damn food that the black kid handled then I got promoted I got promoted to broiler man or broiler broiler boy that's the person that cooks the steaks I was cooking uh, ribeyes top sirloin T-bones, filet mignon. Uh, then it was uh, another type of steak. I can't remember. I can't remember right now. But here I am, black kid, cooking 1,000 steaks per night, where most of the ste- most of the, the steaks were cooked to the customers' uh, uh, taste, Only had few returns. I would have at one time uh, 35 steaks on the grill 35 steaks on the grill and I did and I was hot the grill was hot I, I was I was uh, it was It was. A, it, you know you have a big grill that's uh, probably about I would say 6 feet long in width and about uh, 32 uh, and a half feet and from top to bottom that's a hot grill and I did that for a year and then came the time the owner, a Jewish guy, a Jewish guy. He said, Rick, I know that you only have one class in high school for the second half of the year. When, as a senior, I, w- I did great in school. So when January came around, my last six months, five months of school, I only had one class. I went to school from 730 to 830. So the owner, a Jewish guy said, I will send a taxi cab and pick you up and bring you to the restaurant. It was about 15 miles away. The The daily cab fare at that time was like $8.70. The owner paid the, the taxi cab driver. So every day at school, I had a taxi cab pick me up from school in the city of Tampa and drive me back to Brandon, to work as an assistant manager making the equivalent of like $800 to $1,200 a week in today's dollars at 17, 18 years old. I was making more money than people who worked for the city of Tampa. People who were engineers, I was making more money than engineers working in Tampa when I was 17, 18 years old. So the reason why I'm, I'm doing this segment is for business owners to have this capitalistic conversation with your employees. Because once you have this capitalistic conversation to let your employees know that you need them and they need you and you want to make sure that your employees have know about capitalism because they will work harder. Trust me, they will work harder for you because They will say, I don't want my company to fail, and they will work harder to make sure that the company does not fail because if the company fails, they don't get paid. And when the company succeeds, they may make more money, they may get promoted, they may go from $15 an hour to $18 an hour, from $18 an hour, and you know, promoted as as a supervisor. To $25, $30 an hour. That's how capitalism works. And by the way, if you ever hear a knucklehead talk about trickle-down economy and it doesn't work, that phrase does not exist in economic study. Trickle-down economy is a made-up, ghetto-ass phrase that the socialists and the communists concocted. So to close out this episode, or this topic... Have this conversation with your employees, definitely. And if you don't know what to say, call me and I will get you the notes on how to have a great capitalistic meeting with your employees, your private sector employees. Okay. so the last topic and I'm going to take a sip of water. This last topic, the sixth topic. It does not have to be easier for Democrats to give away free stuff for votes if Republicans talked about long-term capitalism benefits. Okay, so again, this is going to be like a recap of some things I've said with some additional content. Democrats have always lured people in uh, to their party by giving giving them away free stuff. I I remember when I was a kid in the uh, late '60s, early '70s, when welfare kicked in. Again, my mom was a drug addict, and I remember getting this welfare cheese, this this welfare ham, taking food stamps to the uh, the, the corner store to use the food stamps. And my mom was um, she was kind of um, depressed about the food stamps, using food stamps back in my day, was a sign of, um, of, of you not being successful uh, in the black community. Because a lot of blacks didn't start, a lot of blacks never used food stamps until the government started issuing food stamps. So I saw what welfare did to the black community in the late 60s, early 70s, when I was like 10 years old, 10, 11 years old. Up until like 73, 74. I saw it. And I saw how these uh, black Democrats, especially black Democrats, who are led by white socialist Democrats. Yes, I did say that. It's white socialist communist Democrats that are telling black politicians how to do this stuff. Okay, so when black Democrats and white socialist Democrats began giving free stuff to people a lot of blacks stopped working or they, or they didn't put pride in, in work and I'm not saying a lot of blacks start working because black people work hard when they understand what the benefit is I'm going to say that right now Damn it, black people work hard when, they're, when they see their interests are served I know thousands of black people that work hard I'm one of them I got three sons who work their asses off I got three sons who grad all graduated from college one works at Apple one works for a Southern California uh, electric and gas company and the other one is a is a a senior aircraft mechanic okay so all three of my sons were taught how to work hard in fact when I left corporate America and I don't tell people this too often I had a paper route because I was so so under pressure working in corporate America. I was working 80 hours a week, folks. I ain't going to lie to you. Until you worked 80 hours a week for a year and a half, you don't know what pressure is. Working at a high level position in sales and operations at a Fortune 500 company, that will kill you if you don't take a break. I had fun doing it, but my body was telling me, Rick, you're wearing yourself down. need to get out. So I got out, but I had a, I had a paper route for four years throwing newspapers when I left corporate America in my mid thirties. And I had this paper route where I had two of my sons help me on the weekend. And I had four to 500 papers every day. And on the weekends, I, I paid my son's like $50 each but for both days. So they made they made $100 each on the weekends to help dad. And that's when they figured out, oh my gosh, this is hard work. But they enjoyed it because every weekend they made $100 each. So every month they made $400 each. So that experience that my sons had at, uh, let's see, 12 and 14 It it, it lasted, you know, throughout throughout their lives today. So my sons are not loafers. My sons, my sons took uh, calculus in high school because mom and dad told them to take calculus in high school. My sons took French and Spanish and, and chemistry in high school because mom and dad told them to take French and Spanish. So the point I'm trying to make, there are thousands of black families that feel like I do there are thousands of black families that want the best for their black sons and daughters but back in those days back in those uh, white socialist democrat black socialist democrat days the democrats said you know what we can have black people voting for us forever as long as we keep giving them stuff as long as we keep giving them stuff, they'll vote for us. And they have. Even today, 2020. Uh, I, think, I think they said during the last election, Obama got like 95% of the black vote. Why? Black Democrats and white socialist Democrats have never give, given black people anything. Even after they promised to give him something, they never got it. So how can Republicans talk to people, not just black people, but uh, white people who vote Democrat, Hispanic people who vote Democrat, uh, Jews who vote Democrat, Muslims that vote. You know what? I know a lot of Muslims that vote Republican. Yes, I do. I know a lot of Muslims that vote Republican. I know a lot of people from India that vote Republican. I know a lot of people from Mexico, their origin, who vote Republican. Same thing for the South American countries. Venezuela, my Spanish professor in college. She was a Republican right here in California. Some good friends of mine from Argentina, from Buenos Aires. They are Republican right here in Sacramento. I know a lot of people from Brazil who vote Republican who live here in in Sacramento. My family background is Haitian and Cubano. I know a lot of Haitians that vote Republican. I know a, a whole lot of Cubans in Florida that vote Republican. So the point I'm trying to make, Republicans, please talk about the long term capitalistic benefits So that when people see you, you know, Republican candidate, when people see you, they say that man or that woman has my best interest. And your best interest should be that when you wake up in the morning, that you can go to work or open your business so you can get paid. Your best interest is also that when you go to work, open your business or go to work as an employee in a private sector industry, that your consumers have jobs, that your consumers have businesses so that they can shop from you and you vice versa. So that when you have enough money, you can say, if you're single, you know, I'm going on a cruise. I'm going to Barcelona, Spain, like I did six months ago. Or if you're, you know, if you have kids, you have a family, I'm taking my kids to Cancun or Cabo San Lucas. Or if you have a kid that's, that's, uh, you know, young, I'm going to fund a college fund so my kid can uh, go to college. And going to college nowadays is not like it used to be, let me tell you. So maybe you're maybe your son son or daughter wants to do something else or you know pick the right college cuz these colleges now are not the same as they were when i went to college and i went to college in San Francisco of all places and had the best economics professor professor i had the best economic professor who taught me both sides of economics i didn't go to a college that AOC, What's her name? Uh, Ocasio-Cortez. I didn't go to a college. and was just taught. There's the there's the, the classic side of economics, the Adam Smith version of economics. Then it's this Keynesian uh, style of economics. So when you hear people talk about socialism and communism, they're talking about Karl Marx and Friedrich Engel, communist uh, socialist stuff and they're also talking about the Keynesian or well, some people call it Keynesian, but I remember remember my professor calling it the Keynesian model, which means the Keynesian model is about the government making most of the economic decisions. The Adam Smith model, which started in 1850, which is also coincidentally the birth of the Republican Party, talked about low go- uh, limited government Lower taxes, um, uh, the free enterprise system—the same system that the black uh, historian and and uh, and politician and community organizer Frederick Douglass talked about. So black Democrats who talk about Frederick Douglass, yeah, they talk about he was like a, a you know a black uh, you know celebrated person, but they never talk about he was a capitalist. Frederick Douglass was one of the few black people that promoted capitalism and the and the Adam Smith model the model uh, that, that Adam Smith who was actually I think he's from Ireland or Scotland um, he promoted when he came over when, when the colonies and the constitution was written he promoted the low government I mean limited government free enterprise low tax form of of uh, economics. So anyway, listeners, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. This podcast may be about an hour long. I didn't want it to be too long. I think it was long enough. I added some stuff that I thought was very important with this upcoming election. And I will tell people, please make sure you vote for Donald, Donald Trump. If you are a Uh, a Democrat and you're saying to yourself I don't know if I should vote for Donald Trump all I got to say if you're a private sector worker or you happen to be a Democrat that had a small business look at how your business has been functioning over the last 60 days with this Chinese Wuhan flu virus crisis look at all the Democrat governors who are trying to shut businesses down they know damn well this Chinese Wuhan flu virus is not, nothing more than the common flu but they're using it to wreak economic harm on you the Democrat business owner, you the Democrat private sector employee you the independent Republican small business owner you the independent Republican private sector employee please and I pray, do not let these socialist gover- governors ruin your life. Capitalism works for everyone. Capitalism works for the person who is getting, um, who's on welfare, getting the, using their EBT cards. Because without the EBT card, without that money, without that money, you will not survive. And capitalism provides the money for people on government assistance to feed their families. That's right. Capitalism provides the money for firefighters, for police officers, for military, for people on welfare, uh, for people researching medical advances, for uh, people you know trying to cure cancer and AIDS. Uh, it, it provides money for professors at universities. It provides uh, monies for cities and counties. You know, capitalism does all this. Now, here's the thing that's going to shock you. Capitalism also benefits criminals. When I, oh, the people are shocked when I say that. But I, but I got to tell you the truth. If you are a drug dealer <laughs> or if you are a pimp, you still need people to have money. <laughs> I know that sounds kind of twisted and, and sounds kind of dark, but even people participating in criminal activity. They also need capitalism to work because when people have money, not everyone buys a Bible. Not everyone goes to the grocery store and spends $300 on groceries. Some people buy weed. Some people do things that are not good, but they do it because they have money. So I just wanted to add that last little part to let you know that every part of our society whether you like it or not, benefits from capitalism. And if socialism, ever and communism ever take place in America, every sector of our of our economy and our personal lives will will be uh, harmed. The only people who benefit from socialism and communism are the people in charge. The people in charge benefit from it. I'm talking about your politicians. And the friends of politicians benefit from it. I was in Los Angeles and I'm about to close. I was in Los Angeles about two years ago on business. And I saw these Chinese people getting ready to head back to China. And they had iPads. They had uh, MacBooks. They had all the Louis Vuitton uh, purses. The girls did. And they had uh, like Nike shoes on and all this stuff. And I was like, man, I thought the Chinese people were poor. And this guy sitting next to me goes, man, those aren't the regular Chinese people. Those are the children, spouses and workers of the Chinese government. Yeah, you could if you work for the Chinese government and you're a high level person. Yeah, you can travel because the Chinese government only allows uh, people who are wealthy to benefit from communism and socialism. Same thing is true for other socialist and communist countries. And the last thing I want to add. This is kind of funny. Uh, LeBron James. You heard everybody know, knew about, knows about the LeBron James story. And what he said about Daryl Morey. During the, uh, the Chinese uh, Hong Kong conflict. Where these people in Hong Kong were trying to express their desire for freedom. Well, LeBron James said something. And I'm not going to repeat what he said here because you can look it up and most people know it. But he said something to the effect that Daryl Morey, who is the Houston Rockets general manager, I think Morey tweeted out something that said free Hong Kong. And LeBron James had something uh, that opposed Daryl Morey's comment to the effect that Daryl Morey didn't know what he was talking about and he was uninformed or misinformed. But if Daryl Morey was saying the right thing, I'll give him the benefit of, of the doubt. Some kind of shit like that. But Daryl Morey's an MIT MBA. And I believe what happened, and this is my opinion, this is what I think that happened as this thing transpired, that LeBron James did not know that Chinese that China was a communist country. He thought his sneaker deals were coming from a private sector entity and then when he had ch- when he had a chance to think about what he said and what all the feedback that was getting to him i think he now realizes that his shoe deal is with the communist country with the chinese government the ccp and he sort of got quiet so anyway i want to thank you for listening so let me close it out if you are a white-collar small business owner and this podcast episode addresses a concern or situation that you're going through right now, please do not hesitate to call me at 833-321-3212 or internationally using WhatsApp at Country Code 1-415-515-6760 to see if 321 bizdev LLC can help you find a winning solution. We recommend small business owners looking for solutions. Visit our website at 321bizdab.com slash services to complete a questionnaire to begin the consultative process. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode. Make it a great day and please vote for Donald J. Trump for president this November 2020. Thanks a lot.